listening to 9to5.cc podcast. Welcome back to a brand new episode of 9ES, the 9to5 entertainment system. If you're a fan of the show or the website in general and you want to support us, you can head to patreon.com slash 9to5cc. There's a bunch of different ways uh, to support and it gives you like new ways to engage with us and stuff. If you're uh, not in the mood to give us any money and you do like the show, just you know tell your friends about it. We would appreciate that as well. This episode, uh, we get a COVID-19 update from uh, Scott, who of course works at the hospital. Uh, we do talk a little bit about the uh, the shooting spree in Nova Scotia, um, and then we move really heavy, hot and heavy into uh, pop culture business. We talk about Succession. We talk about the Jack Ryan Amazon show. Uh, we talk about The Crow because uh, that's timely. Um, we also move and talk about some other uh, television shows that John's watching, including Neon Genesis Evangelion. Uh, I watched all of The Phantom of the Opera at the Royal Albert hall um and uh, we talk a lot about prometheus and alien and we assign scott the best movie ever all this and more on 90s hit it i meant today i mean today we're recording yeah oh shit quality podcasting right back where you always get it from the nine to five entertainment system is it not a spoiler that it says in red letters recording at the bottom of the screen yeah it kind of is i still managed to catch walter off guard like because if you just get him talking to left he he stops paying attention to the screen i think no amount of notification (laughs) assist that gentleman (laughs) fair enough be it red letters or blinking lights you know exactly just like recording now Mm. Uh, how's it been? How are you guys doing? It's been two weeks. The world plunges steadily further and further into chaos, and uh, we keep podcasting. Yep. Yes. Well, we are in one of the more fortunate places in the world. I would say so. In how the this is all shaken out so far? I think so. I mean, yep. Scott, Scott, your thoughts? It's time I mean, for this. Scott works at the hospital update, but you just had a week off. So. I did just have a week off, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, that's nice. Yeah, well, because my bosses got terrified that one of us were going to get sick and wipe out the whole team. Mm-hmm. So they decided that only half of us would get wiped out at any one time, and they split us into two teams. That's pretty smart. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's also like, like long-term planning, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Like, I know they did, um, <clears throat> like, a lot of the... A lot of the, I think, like, logistics and stuff industries have worked that way with, like, uh, like all their their dispatchers and stuff they've, they've separated them out to like multiple buildings and like split the teams into three and you only go to one location because they obviously they don't necessarily centralize like a hospital so <laughs> they have that ability where they're like you could get an entire infected site and still have 60 percent of your staff working yeah. you know so like hospital can't withstand but having the big shift splits kind of makes sense <laughs> yeah no it's i'm not gonna argue with it it was so are you one week on one week off now or yep that's pretty dope. Yeah. Considering that like time off was the thing that you wanted the most last episode. <laughs> I I am technically on call for that week. Yeah. Um yeah. but there's nothing that I can really do to work from home. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm just on just a call. lot of push ups. Just push ups. Oh man, I am swole. <laughs> if ever there was a time to keep the immune system in good state you know this is it yeah for sure so otherwise though like so i hear at least my understanding is is that the hospitals are short on supplies but they haven't hit that like we're out of beds kind of situation and stuff 
as um, of now. It's it's PPE is short, mm-hmm. masks and um, hand sanitizer and uh, sanitization wipes, stuff like that are are short. Mm-hmm. They they get ordered, they come in, they go, they get used. You know, it's a little bit like living paycheck to paycheck, but with um, emergency medical supplies. Yeah. <laughs> But we're not at capacity, um, right? No, it's not a, 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 a case of too many patients. It's just mm-hmm. the precautions to keep the hospital clean and safe. Um, material is harder to come by. Yeah, which is, I mean, I guess you're always kind of like balancing on the precipice of disaster, like in that situation, because you're like, as soon as the hospital stops being like clean and like disinfected, then it becomes like a nightmare real quick. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like, I do enjoy seeing people walking around with N95 masks, just totally screwing it up. Do you just punch them? Uh, I just no, I silently judge. When you say screwed up, what do you mean? I mean, like I saw a guy today who had like a a Danny DeRubius esque beard wearing an N95 mask, and I'm like, you just, what are you doing? You're not doing it. The thing you can't do the thing. You've just ruined that thing for no reason. But is this is this a healthcare professional or is it just no like... no no just like okay. people on the street on the bars in the waiting rooms, but like, what the fuck? Yeah, it's like you're not like in theory, as of like several weeks ago, you're not really supposed to even buy the N95s as a citizen, right? Yeah. Like you're supposed to like leave them for the medical professionals, don't buy them. People are trying to get them to stop selling them to whatever. But if you like happen to have them, put them on correctly, like yeah. Oh God, it's just, it's just awful. I, I saw one guy with a huge beard wearing one, a uh, one woman who was wearing it on her chin and just like taking it off to talk all the time. And I'm like, well, you've just like infected your whole face. And then you've put like it back ma- on. made like, it worse by a wide margin. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Just, what are you doing? I, and I saw a woman last week who was smoking and then put the mask back on. I was just like, you, oh, I hate you the most. <laughs> Oh man, did you hear? Um, so I watched the the most recent because John Oliver is back doing doing his thing from his house and whatever mm-hmm. on the HBO, and he showed a clip from uh, what's his name Sean Hannity there from Fox News talking about how he was like, "I'm ready to go back to baseball games." He's like, "Yeah, I'll wear a mask and I'll wear gloves if that's what I have to do." And he's like, "I don't think you could eat popcorn, but you could probably you could probably eat a eat a hot dog if you just like opened it up and ate it real quick." And he's like, "And you, I was like, and I'm not going to a, a baseball game and not drinking beer, so I got to put a straw up under the mask and stuff." But he's like, "But I'm going to be there at that ball game." I'm like, "What are you what are you talking about on a national news show, guy?" Like you're talking about lifting up the mask and eating a hot dog real quick and then just like sipping beer under the mask. This is Sean Hannity? Yeah, man. To stay safe. The thing to remember about American news is that it's not news, right? It's like entertainment. And the more shocking and stupid, the more they get you coming back. You you can't be surprised when you go watch Jackass and people get kicked in the dick, you know? That's what this is. This is Uh, people saying dumb shit. That was basically the entire like premise of the episode of John Oliver was he was just sort of like, and he, he just like, he like, he cuts back and he was just sort of like, do I think that's entertaining television? Yes, I do. That's <laughs> yeah. very entertaining. Watching a crazy old man talk about the insane lengths he'll go to to watch baseball is entertainment. It's not news, nor should it be a guideline of what we should be doing at any point in time. Yeah. Like, oh my God, like Rush, Rush Limbaugh is also out of his freaking mind, just like rambling all about all the insane stuff. And he's like, 
that media as entertainment is just he's like now is not the time guys like he's like when it just comes down to like dumb part not dumb there's still repercussions but he's like when it just comes down to like just politics whatever it's just like it's dialogue and people are making dumb decisions all over this and you're like but just telling people inaccurate medical data you know like there's like another like more urgent level of misinformation that is happening right now and that's the case like lying about like policy or politics and all that stuff is like yeah absolutely damaging but like just the immediate like what like all the there are a ton of protests this weekend about people that going who want to go back to work and stuff so they're out en masse protesting like there's a huge one in michigan and i was like michigan you have enough problems don't like don't get yourself together in a big gang demanding to go back to work Hmm. my my favorite was dr oz that that little snippet of news was just what did he do now he he said that reopening schools um might cause a a two to three percent increase in the fatality rate but you know it's still a tantalizing proposition to get the students back a delicious opportunity and it was just like oh you're you're a monster. Did he say those words delicious and tantalizing? Oh, his, his exact quote was, was stomach churning. Uh, he came back and he was like, no, that's not what I meant. But I mean, it's, it's what he meant. <laughs> what well, did doc- he mean? Well, there was um, Dr. What? Phil also had the statistic of like, he was like 340,000 people die, like drowning in swimming pools every year or something. And there was like 140,000. <laughs> like what (laughs) it's like there we go he said let's start with things that are really critical to the nation where we think we might be able to open without getting into a lot of trouble i tell you schools are a very appetizing opportunity he's like a vampire Uh, (laughs) opening of schools may only cost us two to three percent in terms of total mortality you know that's any life is lost but to get every child back into a school where they're safely being educated it's a trade-off some folks would consider. Oh, Can man. we figure out why they really, really want to send students back? Like, what's the what's the I, advantage? You get your you get your slaves back to work faster. I guess. I guess. I, I mean, you're also like, like like I don't know like where's the you got to try to figure like the the return to normalcy like too soon like where where's the profit like where's the profit line right right you know like how like, yeah like so i mean i guess just like you keep screwing over the medical service whatever like you base i'm i'm sure that because of covid-19 there's all kinds of like business legislation and stuff like that that like they greatly benefit from having like either lax or waived like during this so to have like to with like to draw out the pandemic is probably just like a hall pass for businesses to just like the ones that are operating can operate however they want right like so yeah i'm not wait. sure i follow well i'm just saying that like so because of the pandemic and you're taking pandemic measures like we saw it in china where they're like oh we're like stop monitoring your greenhouse gas emissions just go 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 you oh, know yeah, yeah, like, yeah. like so i'm saying so like whatever government like uh like legislation and laws they just and rolled like back something about mercury today where yeah. They they allow and I don't remember exactly what it was, but they're rolling back EPA protections all over the place while this is yeah. going on. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. So there's like there's like a I'm sure like the like industrial manufacturing industry benefits greatly from this dragging on, like because they just kind of get to like their essential services for the economy, and now they just don't have to deal with like laws and 
labor codes and stuff. Like Bezos, I'm sure, is probably Bezos is probably bankrolling as keeping this as long as it's going as possible. Like being the only game in town distributing things. He's yeah, getting a lot man. of trouble for how he's treating his workers though. Sure, but then people are like doesn't hasn't hurt the stocks or anything or like diminish the amount of orders going through to Amazon. True, true. So yeah, so yeah, Dr. Phil's insane statistics. He was like, the fact of the matter is we have people dying. So 45,000 people a year die in automobile accidents. That seems possible. 480,000 from cigarettes, 360,000 a year from swimming pools. Huh. Like, <laughs> it's the 360,000 from swimming pools. And they were like, oh, was it? And he's like, but we don't shut down the country for that, but we're doing it for this? Like, John Oliver's like, if 360,000 people were dying from swimming pools, we would definitely be shutting down the country. <laughs> something would be going on. <laughs> That's like one in a hundred people, like, or one in a thousand people are dying of a swimming pool related death. Hmm. If swimming pools had a 1% mortality rate, I don't think they'd be, like, allowed. Well, it depends over what time period, right? He said a year. A year. Yeah. One, <laughs> one person a year, yeah, they'd be like black holes eating civilization. Yeah, exactly. One by one way until we all fell through. Oh, man. <clears throat> so I guess that is, that's the COVID update, I suppose. I don't know. Do we, I don't Wash know. your hands. Wash your hands, stay inside, do the thing. I think we're yeah. we're doing it. I mean, like looking at some, I guess, like percentage of growth numbers and stuff like that. Like Canada's doing all right, so I mean, just keep doing it. Yay! Uh, I don't know enough about the really bad Canadian news to talk about it. I don't know if either of you two, dude. I don't know the whole story, and I don't think the whole story is out. But it appears yeah, well, that it today. <laughs> Uh, Saturday night, actually. So it was over Saturday to Sunday. Right. Um, there was a guy who uh, in Nova Scotia in a rural part called, uh, not Shubinikati, but um, I was just there. Um, Connectedy? Yeah, something like that. Anyway, like um, about a half hour outside of Halifax, maybe an hour. Um, he dressed up as a police person, killed uh, his family, and then went on kind of like a killing rampage. And I believe there are 18 dead at this point, um, including the shooter, who was eventually taken down by the police. But uh, just like imagine the guy running around. He, he even had a car that was like painted up to be like a, like a cop car. Yeah, like close enough to a cop that you wouldn't like... In, you'd, you'd think cop for most of the time. Like I saw the photos of it. You're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like you're like, it wouldn't survive close inspection. But when do you closely inspect a cop car? Like if I thought like driving down the street behind my house or whatever, I'd yeah. be like cop car. I didn't get the um, if anybody had pieced together what the story was that that set him off. Like if he had a manifesto or if there was, uh, you know, what it was. But um, yeah, rough day in Nova Scotia. What we know about the alleged gunman. Page loading. 51-year-old. Uh, um, he had previously... He had, a, he had a prior, so he had pleaded guilty in 2002. We really got to wait and listen to you read it? Oh, I, mean, I, I thought, really thought you guys, I thought you guys had, like, had, had some like, chit-chat while I, while, I filled, while I did this. That was my I'm assumption. curious, and you were talking it out. <laughs> I'm curious as to what video games he was playing that led him to this. Do you think it was that? Maybe it was his um, long-standing allegiance to the Green Party of Canada. 
Um, did he listen to a lot of rap music? Mm-hmm. Uh, r- religious radicalism? I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to go through all, all the uh, the mass shooting rhetoric would say would be the cause. Mm-hmm. I mean, he must hate America. <laughs> right? That's that's the other one. They're enemies of America. But you're like, but he was in Nova Scotia. And you're like, Gabriel Wartman, country's worst mass shooting. And Nova Scotia. Like, what a... What an awful, awful thing. Thanks, Gabriel Wartman, for just making this rough time even worse and shitty. It was in uh, anyway. Porta Peak. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, they're, they're like all sorts of weird, crazy details. Like multiple of them were in like weird burned out buildings and stuff. Like this has like even the, the police, all the quotes I've read this morning and that I'm seeing now, they're like, this is going to be a crazy investigation. It's like multiple sites. The sites are all insane. Like, motive is unclear, all that stuff. The whole police outfit and stuff. Super weird. Yeah, there's a whole story here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, something like, I mean, it's incredibly premeditated, <laughs> like, and obviously super tragic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I wonder if it's going to play out that this was, like, something he had cooking and then it was, like, isolation that pushed him over the edge. That'd be weird. That would, I think that would raise all kinds of questions. Hmm. Because, I mean, I'm there, I've already read a bunch of things where they're talking about, like, what is the, like, ultimately, what is the um, the psychological toll of all this isolation and stuff? Yeah, yeah. Like, what's the, this, the like, second plague that'll come after everybody gets out of... Yeah, you're like, how many, how many like, um, like, weird mental, like, not necessarily disorders, but, like, mental quirks and tics are you, like, instilling in people throughout this process, you know? Like, it's very strange. Um, like pop culture boys. <laughs> are, are you are you distracting yourself with anything? Me? Um, succession. 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 What's that? I think I made, like I to the English throne. Yes, that's what I'm interested in. I mean, British royal politics. Who is it going to be? Is it Prince Harry? Is he going to make a surprise comeback? He no. denounced the, he denounced his uh, his title, and now and then he just like swoops in and comes back. I mean, because now, like, Charles... Isn't got... he living in Canada now? Yeah, but he moved to, to L.A. They're living in Canada, but he moved to L.A. during the pandemic, because... that doesn't seem too bright there, buddy. Yeah, but it kind of does, because I feel like the best private doctors are in L.A. I'm... You know, like, when you talk about, like, the best doctors money can buy... Not the best doctors, like, normal people, but I feel that there's there's probably, a, like, an ultra-elite, like, doctor core around Los Angeles for the super, super rich that you probably want to tap into if you're super, super rich. Uh, no, Succession, the uh, the HBO program. Hmm. Uh, it's, I, like, it's the only thing that's come close to kind of matching early Game of Thrones vibes uh, in terms of, like, just, like, intense, like, politicking and maneuvering and stuff, uh, but without, like, the medieval setting. So it's, like, a, it's a modern setting where it's basically kind of like a Rupert Murdoch-esque uh, father figure who owns like a massive media conglomerate. Like he owns like a major news channel. He's in the process of buying up a million local news channels to like control even like the local narratives. And he also has like parks and like theme parks and stuff that he also owns. Like it's like one of those like huge, like if not Disney, like Disney-esque almost size. Like if there was like a news 
division of Disney. Mm-hmm. So I guess like, I don't know, ABC News, maybe, maybe ABC News. Yeah, exactly. And all their affiliates. Yeah, exactly, and all their crazy affiliates and stuff. And it's like him, and he's in like kind of failing health, and it's he has four kids who are like of various degrees involved with the company, but they're all just like completely broken individuals who like, like when they're just sort of like, oh, like we're talking about this and that and like, oh, did you look over the paperwork that I that I had for you? And you're like, should I lawyer this? And you're just sort of like, well, you know, like if you want to, whatever. Like you imagine your, your father handing you something to sign and you're like, should I lawyer this? And you're like, maybe you should. Like your dad is telling you, yeah, like, like have your lawyers look over it. And you're like, but it's a son and a father. Like why... <laughs> Why would they do that? Like two, like a character's like arranging, like, uh, like getting married or whatever. And there's like, just like the prenup conversation and deals that are happening, like hardcore screw each other over business, but you're like, but they're getting married (laughs) kind of, uh, really funny, really entertaining cast is, is it more comedy or more drama? It like falls neatly into like dramedy. Like where, like I said, like the, the high, like the drama and the politicking and the scheming is like, like, on par with early Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then there's a lot of like really solid, like dark comedy because these characters are just like completely broken individuals. <laughs> like, it's extremely good. There's two seasons of it uh, so far. It's on the HBO. Uh, Brian Cox plays the patriarch. Uh, and then there's a bunch of actors you probably wouldn't recognize. Well, there's Kieran Culkin plays the youngest son. Mm-hmm. And uh, Alan Ruck plays the oldest son. Alan Ruck. Scott, you know who Alan Ruck is. Cameron. Yeah, it's Cameron. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Yeah, highly, highly recommended. I don't think I've been as compelled to binge a show in like a really, really long time where we're sure. like, it's almost the only show Sarah and I are watching right where now. Where can you catch it? HBO and I guess Crave in Canada. HBO, Crave in mm-hmm. Canada. That's it. A plus. Oh, I mean, I don't. I don't know how this works, if this works in Canada or not. Uh, but if you have a VPN or you're an American listener, uh, HBO threw up like a gazillion shows for free on HBO Now. Hmm. Like if you just go to like hbonow.com, uh, Succession's one of them. Like you can watch like Succession, Sopranos, True Blood, like a lot of their like hits. They put, up like, they put up like 20 full runs of shows just to be like, everybody's staying inside. Like, make it easier with premium TV. Hmm. Which, I mean, nice, I guess. Like, Scott, what are you watching? Um, most recently, Jack Ryan on Amazon. It's a, it's a show? Yeah, it's the John Krasinski is Jack Ryan. Hmm. Uh, super analyst turned spy. Uh, How's he do? Pretty good, yeah. Jack, um... Jack Ryan is the, like... He's the Tom Clancy like superhero, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, like yeah. it's all like Red October. October, all that stuff. It's all Jack Ryan. Like yeah. Alec Baldwin, He's like the American Harrison James Ford. Bond almost. Yeah, the Alec Baldwin, Harrison Ford, Ben Affleck, and uh, Chris Pine movie franchise. And now mm-hmm. John Krasinski yeah. via television. So yeah, he's like American James Bond. Yes, that's pretty good. I can't believe I've never heard anybody say that before. Heard it here first, kids. Yep. Copyright, Jack Ryan, American James Bond. How is it? It's good. It's good. Um, it's nice to see it in kind of a long format rather than having to rush through it in a Hollywood style. Like the, the last Chris Pine movie was just kind of weird and strange and didn't 
didn't have time to click. And the one before that was the Ben Affleck one where they actually set off a nuclear bomb in Baltimore. Just <laughs> all kinds of crazy, but uh, I like it. It's, it's interesting. And they go in depth uh, on the analysis part. on like what Jack Ryan actually does do very well. Like he's like a Batman. Well, he's, he's a CIA analyst, so he's mm-hmm. able to figure stuff out by doing research. And in the movies, a lot of the time, it's like computer graphics on a screen that looks like hacking. And then he stands up and goes, I figured it out. And then, you know, he's fighting on top of a train or whatever. Okay. But the thing about John Krasinski is he's kind of soft looking. I don't know if it's just oh, the man. roles that he's played, you know, it could, can he do the action punch guys in the face aspect of this role? John, you need to use a little bit of Google here and look up John Krasinski, like abs. Yeah, yeah well, he, got, he, got, he got all uh, all shredded for Quiet Place, right? And then he's like, was stayed, he? he stayed shredded. I mean, he had like, he had guns. Like, think about him when he's like swinging the axe and stuff. Uh, like, I, don't, was, I don't remember him at all. Yeah. Quiet Place was good, dude. It was, it was. It was, it was all right. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, he's all shredded now. But I mean, he, like, what's his name? Chris Pratt is, like, shredded in Guardians of the Galaxy, but he's still, like, goofy. Yeah, yeah. He's got soft soft edges on top of being shredded. Yeah. I don't know, man. I've watched all of The Office probably three times. Wow. So it's like, I know him a lot as goofy Office guy. Well, I'm going to send you guys an image in the chat, and you can take a quick look at that. Podcasting is a visual medium. You know, there is a world where we could deliver a visual image timed to somebody's watching of a video file. Like it doesn't exist yet, but that thing could exist. Yeah, you'd have to have on on your you'd have to have an app for it or something. But like you'd have you know you'd you'd display files. You know, it'd be like a multimedia podcast experience. Yeah, exactly. It's like you're. Even better than that is you're going to have something where it's like it'd be like an on or off situation where you be listening to the podcast and then there'd be like a little like boom to like look at your phone for image. You yeah, know, like, yeah, exactly, exactly. Like you wouldn't necessarily need to be sitting in front of a screen. You'd just be like, oh, look at your phone and be like, neato. Yeah. And then put your phone back in your pocket. You could even have it so it would play even if even if the 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 phone was like in its sleep mode it would still display or play or do whatever on the screen. So it would like bypass the lock, but just to like, so you could just pop it out of your pocket and not even have to unlock the phone to get the experience. Anyway, we all looked at a picture of Jack uh, Ryan or John Krasinski as Jack Ryan. And he's rocking like the V, the the, the, the muscle V. I don't know, man. I see Cameron. Oh, no, the, oh, yeah, they, he is Jack. What the hell? <laughs> um. So there's there's the podcast uh, format reaction I was looking for there. Just the John clicking on the link, going, "Damn, yeah, damn." He's <laughs> uh, I recommend it. Yeah, Riss and I are both watching it, and both liking it, and it's a uh, good drama and some action included. Hmm. But you got to get Amazon TV for that. Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. I've I've enjoyed Amazon Prime. I, I got it just before Christmas in order to get some very last minute gifts delivered on time. <laughs> and the uh, that's TV how we get to. Mm-hmm. I mean, the TV experience has been very similar to um, to 
old Netflix, like Netflix when they were still showing like uh, video store movies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, there's like the five or six, like a plus Amazon prime originals. And then it's like super club Videotron for like the rest <laughs> of the way down. <laughs> like... yeah. It was great. I watched yeah. the crow like a month ago and I was like, damn, this is, this is a terrible movie, but I'm so happy. I can Fuck watch it. off, man. It popped up on shutter a few weeks ago too. And it is great. No, it's terrible, but it's great. The crow. It's it's a delightfully terrible, delightfully terrible, have you guys enjoyably seen the terrible. Crow recently, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you, you want to talk about the crow? Because I feel like it's not on the list. It probably isn't on the list. I have a lot of fondness for this movie. I saw it when I like right when it was in theaters. I was fucking into every part of this. I was always same more Sting. Yeah, Why no. Sting? He dressed, about that. When he dressed up as the crow. <laughs> Did professional he? wrestler sting yeah for like a, a okay. huge of like, like multiple years of i'm not career. fucking talking about professional wrestler sting the fuck do i know who that is like, <laughs> like 20 years Keith. he dressed up as the crow longer than he dressed up as hawaiian surf superhero yeah exactly that's it i think he's most well known as the, like the crow sting like you must okay john you must right, forget that. forget that we're talking about the movie okay okay the the movie was the exact opposite of rewatching Hellboy. I was like, mm-hmm. I don't remember this too too fondly, but I remember it being fun, and then having a good old time for the whole runtime of that movie. Absolutely, I think that that I, I I didn't really understand that that's what it was doing when I saw it when I was younger, but there was like a theatricality to all of the violence and the craziness that just it let it get away with being over the top you know everybody's a little over the top and so it all kind of works because everybody's doing this big sloppy crazy mess together it had it's... a little bit of the um what's the the paxson sabat vampire movie no oh, not lost boys near dark um, near dark, near dark. dark. Yeah, yeah it had a lot a little bit of the near dark kind of feel to it mm-hmm. it just what's... like so tell us about the crow what is the storyline of the crow you want to hit well, it, Scott? All right. <laughs> there is. Did a... you read the comic before the movie, Scott? By the way, the what? Like, were you a comic book fan of it before the film, or? No, man. This came out in 1994. I was like 15 years old. Yeah, but I mean, that could have been comic book age. Was it X Men? No, it was not X Men. So I did not read the comic. Fair. <laughs> um, there is a villain in the neighborhood. His name is Top Dollar. He's played by Michael Winslow. And he's trying great, to... Great name. Yeah. Uh, and he's trying to burn down or evict like the slums of the city. Uh, so he hires a bunch of gangbangers to go and make life miserable there. So he can, I don't know, like kingpin Hell's Kitchen. And uh, at one point they end up killing... Uh, a couple who live in a gorgeous loft that there's no way they can afford even in the slums mm-hmm. uh, owned by Shelly and Eric. And then Eric comes back from the dead a year later. <sighs> and he's got superpowers. He's He can't be killed. And he laughs when people shoot him. Mm-hmm. I think he, he, he can also heal. He, yeah, he heals. He's got that healing factor. Uh, he wears makeup and goth gear for reasons that are it was the 90s scott it was just time for that yeah so his abilities include enhanced strength speed and agility 
cat-like reflexes, heightened senses, resistance to injury or pain. Are you looking at a thing about the comic book? Because we didn't read that. Psychometry. Tactile. He is. You're looking at a thing about the comic book, which has nothing to do with what we're talking about. He's no. through the eyes of the crow. Um, I mean, it's like a, a cheap, low-budget action movie mm-hmm. that did really, really well in masking that they were so low-budget. Like, the set dressing and lighting and cinematography did wonders for this film and covered up a lot of um, shortcomings that the movie would have otherwise made very apparent. And it's, like, full of teenage angst and and, and cheap drama. And he goes after the bad guy uh, one at a time. He takes out the, the gang of ruffians one by one. Can you name the ruffians? Because they have great names. Uh, T-Bird. Nice. Skank. Tintin, Skank, and Funboy. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's, you know what's also crazy weird? So the comic only started in 1989. So that comic had been out for five years and someone was like, and like you say low budget, but this was still had a budget of $23 million. So more than Desperado, right? Like five years after that comic came out, someone was still like, I will give you $23 million to make this movie. And then it paid off because it made like $50.1 million or well, $50.7 okay. million. Dollars. It, it also got, I think, a lot of notoriety because Brandon Lee died during the shooting mm. of it, right? During during a scene when his character is just getting shot 100 times. I believe there was either a rock stuck in the, the barrels of one of the guns or it was like a blank that, that got screwed up. Mm-hmm. But, um, yep. And this is Bruce Lee's son, right? Yes. yes. And uh, also helped along by a uh, killer beloved, soundtrack. Beloved soundtrack. Yeah. Full of like uh, super alternative gothy. and super gothy yeah. rock and roll music. We we had that thing on the continuous rotation at Sci-Fi. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it was a good movie. If you guys haven't seen it and you're looking for some of that like angsty 90s action, it's it's way up there. Yeah, it's like a little like Highlander has the that mid nineties. Yeah, the prophecy. Yeah, uh, good stuff. So apparently, the accident that happened with Brandon Lee was they were they were swapping out dummy cartridges with blanks. Mm-hmm. It's like the dummy cartridges actually like fired, and then the blanks were obviously just blanks. And when they did the check, they didn't remove the dummy cartridge from the barrel. Then they loaded up the clip with blank, so there was like a dummy, uh, a dummy cartridge still, uh, still loaded. Yeah, still in the chamber. So since there was a distance of like twelve or fifteen feet, like it wouldn't necessarily maintain bullet velocity as long as a real bullet, but at like twelve, fifteen feet away, it basically hit him with the exact same like impact as a bullet getting shot in the stomach. That's shitty. Yep. Do you guys want to rank the crow? Don't yeah, put the we crow on the list. Man, that's a tricky one. The um... because it kind of it. I mean, like I don't have any love for the crow, but I can see that like in certain minds, potentially Scott and John's. Like it, it gets close to hackers almost. You know, like in hackers that... is an extremely good comparison because yeah. it is in that same zone of of hit me at the exact right time of my life to be able to uh, 
to have it stick, right? Where do we put Hackers? Is it like 30th? Hackers is like 10th, dude. Like, Hackers is one of the greatest movies of all time. <laughs> 22nd. <laughs> um, very high, though. Yeah, it is very high. Hackers is very high, but Hackers is more charming than The Crow. Yeah. yeah. And right. I mean... I'm scrolling down, like, 31 is The Mummy. I'm not putting The Crow over The Mummy. I'm trying to like. I would not put it that much farther. I would put it above Spider Man into the Spider Verse. Where's Spider Man into the Spider Verse? Which puts it above Big Trouble in Little China. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. That's a tough one. And above John Wick Chapter 2. Yeah, that, that's kind of the zone, though. Yeah, I think. that is the zone. I'm, right. I'm looking a little bit further down the Stand By Me Heathers. It's, yeah. It is better than Logan, though. I mean, that's what you say. I like Logan a lot. <laughs> There's three of us here. Yeah, uh, I would. It's fun to say it. It goes there, but I Logan is a better movie. All right, all right, all right. Um, I would probably put it maybe above it. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, I don't know, but that's above Princess Mononoke. It, this is like I feel we're in very much in the zone. Or Mandy it, too. It's also it, Mandy. Mandy's a good comparison. It It is, again, a little bit high. You know what? Yeah. I, I find it very hard to disconnect from my fondness of the soundtrack, like the how many times I listen to that oh. thing. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like, like The Crow, like, I'm a little younger than you guys, yeah. and like I dug The Crow. I like I watched the movie. I thought it was okay, but like well, I remember going into sci-fi, and you guys were like, you had all seen it, and like you knew quotes from it, and the soundtrack was on. Like I'm willing to fully give like nostalgia bump to you guys to to put the crow right, kind of right, where right. you want it, but I think we're in the right zone. I'm I'm looking even a little bit further down mm, around movies right. that I li- I liked, like movies like Office Space. I think is kind of similar. Office you... Space, yeah. I mean, it's a great I... movie. It's a really good. Yeah. Movie. Like I think that's an oddly similar comparison to make. Culty holds up better than you think it would. I think, um, yeah, Office Space. I think is a, is probably a good comparison. And like I said, I could I could definitely handle a, a nostalgia bump for it if one of you guys was uh, was feeling feeling generous. All right, all right, I'll let this go. But um, but it was a good movie. It I was mean, a good. I'm not I'm not dissing it. And those are some good movies that are around there. Those are movies that we all liked. Mm-hmm. But like, how much past? How much over a like a Mandy would you put it, John? Like. Yeah, not much. Not much. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, but yeah, like, yeah. It's good where it's at. Just we're not going below stuff like Rogue One that was terrible. No. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, above or below Office Space? Below. Just below. Yeah. Because <laughs> the crow never beats the shit out of a printer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I loved the crow, but then I lived Office Space. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, what are you up to, John? John, let me see. And actually, to take a break for the recording to make sure it doesn't freeze up. So, what have you been up to, John? John? Okay, so I got I got three shows that I've been going through. I guess oh. we can take our pick which one we want to get into. One mm-hmm. of them I've been watching mostly on my own. It is Vikings which oh. is some cheesy stuff on Netflix. Yeah. The other one, um, I can't believe that I never finished it before being such a fan of Dan Harmon, but the um, uh, Community. 
Hey, like the late seasons of Community. Season five and six just popped up on Netflix. And, um, you know, like I had kind of given up on Community somewhere along the way as it was like going from channel to service to whatever. Yeah. You know, um, anyway, so there's that. And then the other one, which maybe we want to save this because I'm not quite finished it yet. Debbie agreed to watch Evangelion. Oh, oh. and I, I used to love that stupid thing, but it was like, you know, 20 years ago now. Yeah. Just about the last time that I watched it all the way through. So will it hold up? Anyway, we're not finished, but we're at episode 21 or something. Okay, so we've you're, like, you're in like home we've, stretch. Yeah, we've passed the point where it gets real crazy. Yeah. Yeah, so which one do you want to uh, – I'll, I'll say this with Evangelion. When it showed up on Netflix, I was like, finally, I'm going to finish it. Yeah. In in college, I bought the first two DVDs, and I've seen those six episodes over and over again. Get the fuck out. And I watched, <laughs> I watched I was like, hang on, hang on a second. Wait, just, just pause just for a second. Have you spent your entire adult life thinking that Evangelion is just, like, a happy, like, Kids robot fighting anime? Like, if you just watch those six episodes, that's, that's no, kind of hard to get. Keith, you and I, we went to go see the movies. And yeah. I'm yeah, yeah. aware that there was more, and, and, and obviously not remain spoiler-free, mm-hmm. but... Of the actual original series, I'd never gotten past episode six. That's amazing. So on Netflix, I'm like, yeah, it's time to go. And I watched the first two episodes and was like, just as good as I remember it. And I got to episode six and I'm like, I think I'm done. No. <laughs> Scott, you got you to gotta go back. You at least go to episode 17, it is, where it like really takes a hard left. It's just, it hit me in the nostalgia. And then once my nostalgia stopped being a factor i was like hmm, Dude, okay. it, it's, it is it is some like anime ass anime though like at times like oh yeah like it, especially early but then e- even when it gets like good and like you start to get into like the you know like the the nature of humanity and all that stuff like there's which it's saying some really interesting stuff there's still like anime ass moments all Absolutely. throughout hyper sexualizing oh, I... all of the, the female characters yeah yeah, yeah. pen pen the living penguin uh, pen, pen. Great stuff. Uh, yeah, I don't know which I, one you want to talk about the most. Like which one? I don't know. We're on. We're on Evangelion. The um, it doesn't. You you said that like it it has so much to say about human nature, or whatever. I don't really know that it does have a lot to say. It's like it it deals with those subjects and uses words like human instrumentality and all that stuff. But I'm not sure that it ever like forms a coherent thought. I mean, so. What I've always like, first of all, I like I've always enjoyed the um, the religious subtext stuff, like just like the the religious like mythos things. Like which again, that, that, on the, the yeah, exactly. Which is not necessarily commentary so much. I think it's just like it kind of goes a little above and beyond in terms of like pulling its source material. Sure. The stuff that the stuff that I like a lot is just the weird, um, like the weirdness of Shinji's psyche. I think and his relationship with like Gendo and gendo's relationship with uh shinji's mom and stuff how it's like you you though the show never like delves too much to say like this is what's going on but just sort of like how isolated he is and stuff and like how just poorly adjusted he is i don't know all that stuff kind of kind of spoke with to me and i don't know necessarily know how much the show is really about that but it is there and it's always like that's kind of what always set it apart for me as an anime series was like this is a character going like inarguably going through some shit with crazy robot backdrop like end of the world stuff but like seeing him just be like 
not a very good hero. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Episode two, Unfamiliar Ceiling, is one of my favorite all-time episodes of anime ever. And it's mm. all about Shinji just kind of moping around. Yeah, like... Well, he mopes for another 18 episodes. <laughs> or more. But there's something just about, it, like, he gets on the train and rides it for a day, listening yeah. to his MP3 player, and yeah. then comes home and lies on his bed, and I was like, teenage Scott gets this. It was it was a tape deck, though. Yeah. Right, because yeah, it had to like it click it. and then go backwards and play play the other side. Yeah, think about that. In, in the in the eighties, they thought there would be tapes in the twenty like forties. Wasn't they, they, the show was made in the nineties, dude? Like there was Discman's when the show came out. Yeah. I, so the only he's I so always, hipster. He's so hipster. He has a Walkman. I always kind of thought that, like, for some reason, that it was because it was like maybe like magnetic tapes or whatever were better, like post... Um, second impact. Yeah, post second impact. No, you know, no, like... It's, it's totally Guardians of the Galaxy. It's because he maybe. had this tape that someone gave to him. Like his the, mom. Or his dad. Not like his, his dad, dad left dad a mixtape. never tape. gave him anything. No, <laughs> left the mixtape behind. Maybe. I also... Um, I like... I would say the lasting impact of Evangelion is that it's been what twenty five years, probably twenty at least twenty twenty three or so since I watched it. Like I was like grade eight, grade ten, grade eleven. So yeah, twenty two years ish. And like the buzzing of cicadas still makes me think of Ava. Like every time, like when I just hear the like, bzzz, I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> those long shots of the of Tokyo two, like just Tokyo three. I don't know Neo Tokyo. Neo Tokyo. No, that's Akira. Yeah. Tokyo no, too. Then. They might all be Neo Tokyo. I mean, they're all, aren't they all? <laughs> I will admit that I kind of remembered it getting crazy, um, as at, like happening a little bit more towards the late early part of the show as opposed to the late mid part of the show. Yeah. So there's like 16 episodes of them punching robots and stuff, and you can tell that they're building towards something more, but it really mm-hmm. takes its time in in getting there. Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of anxious to to like see, especially the last two episodes. I listened really to... crazy. I'm gonna see it totally differently this time, you know. Yeah, I'd also really recommend uh, as a companion piece uh, to Evangelion if you finish it. Uh, there's a podcast called Imaginary Worlds um, okay. that it generally it's like it's a usually it's about like like a to say it's a storytelling podcast is silly, but like it kind of like dissects like things. In fic, in fic, in fiction, if that makes sense, like like they did like an entire episode on uh, the relationship between the dude that wrote Conan and H.P. Uh, Lovecraft, for example, or they do um, cool. they did an entire episode about like the cover artist of the Strange Tales magazine and whatever. Like they do Say like again. what's it called? It's called Imaginary World. Imaginary World. Um, but yeah, and they're like they're it's it's a very much like a similar format to Ninety Nine Percent Invisible. Have you ever listened to 99% Invisible? Where it's like, yeah, like, they're like, yeah, they're like 30, 40 minutes and they're not like the most in-depth things in the world. Like they're not, they're, they're not hardcore. Yeah, exactly. They're not hardcore historying it, but like you're, they're giving you the notes. Uh, but yeah, they did one on, uh, on Evangelion and like uh, very much based on like, they were talking about like the death threats and stuff that uh, the guy got, like 
while he was like delaying filming. And then when people didn't like how he ended it, he got death threats. And then when they made the movie, he like references those death threats and has them in the film and stuff. Like, yep. yeah, exactly. Like, Cause there's a whole thing. Like I, I can't imagine, like I ended the show and then, and like they talk about just all of the production woes that it went to. Like he was, uh, I keep saying he, I mean, I should know the name of the guy since I'm saying it. Uh, but he apparently was like notoriously not necessarily like like um like an Alfred Hitchcock hard to work with, but just like such a weird dude to work with. Like he would say like great, 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 everything on like on everything's good on Friday, and then come in and people are like working on the animation all weekend and come in on Monday and being like, We changed it. You know, like like not like a tyrant like screaming, but you'd be like, What? Like he's like, just throw all of that out. You know, and you're like, but the episode has to go up on Wednesday. He's like, But what we're gonna do is this. You know, like I was like, whoa. I was like, that just must have been such a freaking nightmare to So I'm not I'm not finished the rewatch, but I I kinda have the suspicion he gets into uh, a lost territory where he like doesn't really know where he's taking the whole thing. Well supposedly it's like that a little bit. Well, suppose like and the the podcast gets into it if you listen to the Evangelion episode of Imaginary Worlds, have fun with it. But the podcast yeah. gets into it a little bit where he like he really thought of it as the story of Shinji. And like, like the creator thought of the rest of it as like window dressing. <laughs> so, like he might have ended up in a lost esque territory, but like not by way of not knowing where it was doing. But it was by way of he's like, that's not the thing. I'm that's not the story I'm telling. You know, like, huh. <laughs> like he, and apparently that like goes people like interviews with people who were like in the production were like, yeah, he didn't, he didn't care as much about the resolving why angels were falling out of the sky so much as he just wanted to tell like kind of a coming of age story of Shinji. Like that was what he was into. And then Crazy. that's why, that's why the end of it's so freaking weird and just takes place in Shinji's head. Cause he's like, whatever, who cares? Like, he's like, that's what this is about. It's so weird. Hmm. Oh man. <clears throat> uh, so Sarah and I did, did something, uh, did something special on this weekend, you guys. So there's a YouTube channel. I believe it is associated with Andrew Lloyd Webber directly, but it's called like the show must go on. And it's, uh, they put up these like live streams or they, they put up temporary streams, like high quality streams of uh, Broadway productions uh, available for 48 hours. It's kind of like a fundraiser thing. And they're putting all the money to like actors and stage performers and stuff. <laughs> and um, I, I was going to say made Sarah, but no, because at an hour in, I was like, do you want to stop? And she was like, no, we're going to finish this. Uh, was it Cats? It was the Phantom of the Opera at the Royal Albert Hall. Huh. Okay. Uh, hot damn is that long. Like, I feel that I've I've seen it uh, at Place des Arts, and I feel that there was like, there were at least like some ballet sections that were in this edition of it that I do not recall and then, like, there's other stuff that it just, it's so long. It's unbelievably long, about two hours and 20 minutes, I would say. Okay. Um, and, it, and it's also, like, it's a musical. Like, and I would say there's maybe, like, two or three lines of spoken dialogue. The rest is singing, right? Like, it's just intensely singing. So, yeah, it was, this is the 25th anniversary uh, performance uh Phantom of the Opera came out in 1986, so this was the 2011 performance of it at the Royal Albert Hall. Dude, it, it like, 
there's parts of it that are amazing and there's parts of it that are like straight up horror but then uh, the show i would say as a lover of musicals mm-hmm. it it blows its wad like way too early <laughs> like in terms of all the best songs are literally in like the first act like Oof. um Hang on. Where's... It's funny. I, I I feel like I know it well because I had a tape of it and like on some family trips, it was like mm-hmm. in the rotation, mm-hmm. but I don't know that I've ever actually seen it performed, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah. So first, so hang on, dude, it's crazy. So first act, act one has yeah. like, think of me, angel of music, music of the night and the phantom of the opera like theme. Right. And you're like, well, it's downhill from there here. You know. <laughs> like I like, oh, and masquerade. Yeah, it's true. Act two starts with Masquerade. That's like the other the other big song that that happens there. But yeah, but like you're just sort of like the the four songs that everybody knows are all in the first act. And then you're like, well, there's an hour and a half left <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> and you're okay. like, was it fun to revisit it? Um, as the Phantom of the Opera goes, um, it like hinges heavily. If you've seen the Phantom of the Opera as often as I have, like I think I've heard multiple Broadway casts perform it. Like, I think my mom had it like once or twice on CD. I saw it at Place des Arts. I've seen it maybe another time, like another like TV event or whatever. And then I saw this one. So I think it's like my fourth or fifth cast of it. Dude, there's uh, a lot of Phantom of the Opera. Dude, you know how many freaking versions of cats I've seen in Slasher? <laughs> Ugh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah they 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 hinge heavily on like the the entire thing hinges on the phantom as it does cuz he's like he's all over the place right like he's like you're supposed to sympathize with him and he's also supposed to be like a crazy villain and he's like kind of psycho at certain times and then like you know vulnerable at other times and mm. the guy who played the phantom was Ramin Karimlu who's an Iranian Canadian actor and singer uh who killed it like even Sarah Sarah was like this She's like, literally would have been unwatchable, but the Phantom like saved the entire thing that hard that she sat through like two and a half hours of Phantom of the Opera mm-hmm. based solely on this dude's like performance and like the intensity that he had. And has he done anything else? Um, that we know of. I he said that. Did you? I mean, he got famous in the London's West End. I think he's one of the more famous Phantoms. Okay. Uh, he won. Oh, he also played in the 2014 revival of Les Miserables. Uh, yeah. He's been he has been Phantom, and he also played Raoul in, in other shows of it. Uh, he also was in Love Never Dies. He also originated the role of Gleb in uh, the Anastasia uh, musical. So I mean, I think he's a probably pretty big deal. Okay. Sounds like, sounds like a big deal. I mean, like if you're so, like if you're selected to be the Phantom in the 25th anniversary like mounting of the Phantom of the Opera at Royal Albert Hall, you're probably on top of your game, right? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like this is Andrew Lloyd Webber's being like, I'm going to make this, and this is going to be the like it's considered like the definitive version that I'm going to like film in 4K and all this shit. Like, I don't know. A, but anyway, A plus uh, because of uh, Raman Karimlu. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I mean, fan of the opera is kind of. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe that it's over two hours long. Like, it's nuts. Right on. I also watched Prometheus. You guys, did you get? Have you all seen Prometheus? Yeah, several times. I I had I had somehow never 
sat down and watched it. Scott, did you see it? Is this the first one of the... Yeah, like Ridley Scott's Return to the Alienverse. The one with Numira Pass? Yeah. God, she cannot save that movie. She tries so hard. She's what's wrong with that movie. What? You're nuts. There's a lot wrong with the movie. You could both be right. (laughs) There's so much wrong with that movie. Yeah. It made me so sad. It made me feel like Ridley Scott doesn't even know what he's doing. It made, and it made me think that he lucked into Alien being so amazing. Yeah. I So, I don't know necessarily what the exact theatrical version is, but I saw like a two-hour and 45-minute cut of it, hmm. and which Sounds I don't know. longer than the one I saw. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But maybe it felt like two hours and 45 minutes. It was, it was actually that long. Um and I re- thought it was really, really good until the last like twenty minutes, where it all kind of. He did well. None of it connected or made sense, and the things that did connect were dumb. Well, so, so now there's two things that I have to like. I guess like, put into this. Getting gonna get deep nerd shit here. Okay. Um, in the Alien role playing game that I bought, uh, it's like, which is an official product and it like, it puts the timelines together and also includes like, and like open, it openly theorizes, but it's still like official merch. So it's like, like it, it, like it has, it has like theories about the alien verse that are like presented as in canon theories of the alien verse. And that becomes a legitimate criticism of the film. No, no, no. I'm just saying that it, but it like, it puts, it ties in certain things from Prometheus in to a like a little bit more of a logical framework but then the more that i thought about it i'm like that weird shit that doesn't make sense is right there in alien like if you watch the original alien there's a weird giant skeleton that's like 14 feet tall and sitting in like a weird like laser beam cockpit thing and then there's the alien eggs and that's clearly not the alien thing but you're like it doesn't explain that at all nope doesn't Doesn't have to though It, it doesn't have to and that's why so i think that ridley scott came to this potentially as like with that same mindset where he wasn't necessarily looking to like explain anything. He was just like, here's another terrible thing that can happen in space. You know, like I don't think he was trying to necessarily make a sequel or even a prequel to alien in the like traditional terms of like, except that he steps, he starts the film off with a shot of one of the, the navigator race, the engineering, the engineer standing yeah. on a cliff, dissolving, whatever. So he's like, he's saying, that's this story. Yeah, it's the I'm story. Tell of, you the story. Right. But of the engineers, like... Does he? I don't... But, not you know, but like, <laughs> insofar as, like, has Alien really told us about um, the aliens? Yes. Well, so, it, it did in that we got a story about an alien. We didn't really get know. a story about engineers. Yeah. Alien is a story about surviving an alien. Mm-hmm. But let's not that that's what it's presented as that the, the and I I think that like and I feel that Prometheus is a story about like the hubris of creators, like that's what you think he was trying to tell you. Absolutely, this is a movie about was. hubris. It absolutely is. Maybe Dude, it's, it's like maybe it's a movie about hubris of Ridley Scott. I don't know. Well, I, I I'm just saying. So, so here's me out. Alien Covenant. I haven't. Yes. I, I decided oh. to watch Prometheus before Covenant. No, well, that's good because the the notion of this being about hubris is very muchly explored in Alien Covenant. Hmm. 
But go again, on. So again, it's probably more about the hubris of Ridley Scott than anything else. I mean, again, I <laughs> I'm just thinking, so, like, the whole thing, right, like, Waylon Yutani has, like, in throughout all the films, even the bad ones, has always been about, like, being, like, their hubris is completely stupid because they think that somehow they can, like, capture and weaponize the xenomorph. That's, like, often been their, like, weird backstory, right? Right. So, Prometheus knows that going into this movie, Waylon Yutani is, like, an awful thing. So, there's, like, the TED Talk with, um, what's his name? Guy Pierce. Guy Pierce as Peter Wayland. I'm talking about how he should be like above the law and above like uh, any like legislation that would like limit his creativity and and all this and that. So it's like it's all right there. And then his whole entire thing is he wants to like find immortality. And then you establish these like perceived to be like godlike people who can like terraform and genetically manipulate things and all that. And it turns out they screwed up real hard too and possibly killed themselves. Like, and then it's like the intersection of those two like completely like megamaniacal entities of like the Wayland Utani Corporation and these like engineers who are just as bad. And not only are they not gods, they also seem to have screwed up real hard at some point in their history. I thought it was fun. Like fun is not a, a word I would use to describe Prometheus. I think the last the last twenty minutes of action completely fell to pieces. Uh, when the ship rolls like a disky do, and they and they run away from it, or how it's like about, laugh out loud, bad? Yeah, or how about just uh, what's her name, Scott, savior of the film, just like doing running and jumping acrobatics with her stomach stapled shut ten minutes ago? Like I was like, we're all like, she's torn her stitches. She must have torn her stitches. Like I don't know. Like I, well, I just, them taking them helmets off. The weird life cycle of the snake. Thing, made no sense at all <laughs> so get this so so do you want to know the running the the, the book theory on this uh <clears throat> and i agree and i'm saying this is the book theory it like which speaks to me as an alien fan it this is not in the movie so like this doesn't help save the movie so check it out so the black ooze is the like it's the genetic um like core stuff that the engineers used for some of their genetic manipulation and they have encountered the xenomorphs and the xenomorphs are perfect freaking killing machines No, there's no xenomorphs yet no 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 no. not in this film but we're talking thousands of years ago okay thousands of years ago they encountered the xenomorphs and they were like oh shit this thing can kill everything and then everything that that they haven't because in in the movie the next movie the xenomorphs are genetically engineered yeah, they're which are called neomorphs. So the 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 book has them as two distinct species: okay. neomorphs okay. and xenomorphs. So neomorphs are the genetically engineered ones, and that black. So the entirety of planet Earth and why planet Earth pointed to that star system and everything else was that the engineers' plan was they took alien DNA, they tried to genetically modify it. They were going to turn every person on the human into these other aliens to shoot at the xenomorphs on the frontier. So Earth was just like a big freaking, like, they had a bunch of species, like a species, that's why the the genes matched, right? So they were like, they cloned up dumb little versions of themselves, they were going to then fly the black ooze to Earth, get a million neomorphs, and then pitch those at the xenomorphs. So like the genetically engineered version of the alien was the, not the engineers creating the aliens, but was creating something to fight the aliens because they were like, oh shit, these aliens are serious biz. Because they were just like running around out on the frontier planets. 
Huh. So yeah, and I the was like, that, the fact that the movie needs a <laughs> role playing <laughs> game. Don't, don't get me wrong. Book. That is not. That is not you, in the film. You, you should check out Covenant because it it does it it like even if they're neomorphs, they, they're they're created by the human engineered. I don't want to. I don't want to spoil too much of it. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll check it out. But yeah, check but that. But, yeah. yeah, but that's. I mean, uh, like I for sure. I was like, I I was gonna watch Alien Covenant right away, and then I realized I hadn't watched Prometheus. I yeah. like read about it and stuff. I was like, you know what? I'll actually get Prometheus out of the way. But anyway, so that that element, which like I said, not in the film, so I can't necessarily like give that points to the film. But if that's the case, I'm like that is super cool. Like where you're like, oh, it's the engineers kind of trying to put something together to stop the xenomorphs. It's not that they created right, right, right. them at all. The, like, th- the thing is, it's all like being written as he goes along. You know, if there was like, if that yeah. was intended back at the beginning and it had been foreshadowed right on, right on. But, I, but like, who knows, who knows what, what he was supposed oh. to be doing? Cause like, why did he put a big 14 foot tall guy sitting oh, in man. there and as be like, a, so and be like as, I'll tell you the answer to this 40 as, years from now. As a DM, <laughs> As a DM, let me tell you, the the easiest way to always have plot hooks to take is to leave them hanging all the time and have no plan for them whatsoever. <laughs> and then you just have stuff to grab later on. I do that all the goddamn time. Uh, for sure. All of, all of this makes me think of Blade Runner and how he made this movie that I'm convinced made no sense <laughs> at all. He, he had this whole movie and he put it together and the studio was just like, what the fuck did you do? So they, they chopped it up and they made the original theatrical release of Blade Runner and it was fine based on the mess that they he gave them. And then 10 years later, after constantly thinking and fiddling and chopping and re-editing, he was like, this was my vision all along. It's <laughs> bullshit. He had no idea what he was doing and it took him 10 years to make a movie that only really works is if you've seen it to compare it to the theatrical release that tells the story. And you can be like, all right, there is more artistry now that I know what the plot is because it was spelled out for me in the first version. Here's what you need to do. You need to watch my movie. Okay, hold on. I I don't know that we can throw him under the dumpster that far. Like the um, Gladiator was pretty good. Ridley Scott, I think, yeah. I I like to... I don't know, like, he doesn't necessarily exist on the, like... The, like S tier <laughs> directors, but like I feel like he gets an A. You know, I'm like, are you looking at the the filmography? I, I would say he's more of like a B plus. So Martian was good, Bla- mm. like Alien, Blade Runner, like even Le- I liked Legend. <laughs> you know, American yeah, Gangster. I, I liked American Gangster. I know no, a lot of people thought it was really long and boring. It was really long and boring. I didn't see The Martian, but I heard it was okay. Thelma and Louise is also good. The, the like, Martian was fun. It wasn't good. Like, I wouldn't say that he, he he's definitely not a bad director, but he doesn't do a whole lot that's... I mean, he's been nominated for 40 Academy Awards, and he's won nine. I think that puts you above B. You know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it does. No. He, he never won an Academy Award. The movie. Well, it's films, it's films one. But I mean, the director is the the boss man. Yeah, so they won for best sound editing. Like, who cares? And he also won for best director for Russell Crowe. Oh no, best actor. Yeah, Russell mm-hmm. Crowe won best actor. Yes. So, uh, yeah. No. Anyway, 
Anyway, I, I, like I said, I think that puts him over a B. I think he's an A. He's an A-list director. Like just like Alien, Blade Runner, Thelma and Louise, Gladiator. Like you don't make those like four movies and not have some clout, you know? Like anyway. Yeah, but he made I, American Gangster, Prometheus, Black Rain, fourteen ninety two. Like I, I, mean, I just said, you. I liked American Gangster and Prometheus. <laughs> just just because Kevin Smith made like three good movies doesn't make him a list movie maker. Yeah, but I mean, but his movies never won Academy Awards and stuff. Like, I, I consider Kevin Smith to be like a B, a B minus director. Like, and I put Ridley Scott way way above Kevin Smith. <laughs> I don't, uh, I don't think he deserves to be a B either. And, and you said three good movies is like one and a half. Yeah. Even though, I, I, even though there's like another one that I would that is beloved because of nostalgia, you know. Well, Alien and Blade Runner, I feel, are both like top tier films. Like personally, like they would exist easily somewhere on my top 20, if not maybe my top 10. Like Alien is one of my favorite movies of all time. And Blade Runner is a movie that I like. Right. But Prometheus was so bad. It makes me go back and look at Alien and say, how did you do that? I don't know if it was you. Yeah, but then there's Thelma and Louise and Gladiator, like, which are also really good. I mean, but just because you made a good action movie doesn't mean that you're an A-list director. I mean, again, Gladiator is a good movie, but it's not a great movie. It's not. It, eh, it's pretty wow. schlocky. Go back, go back and rewatch it. Just, just like a little critically. It, it's yeah. so self-indulgent and and yeah. Oh yeah, like I mean, it, like the the walking through the wheat fields is like a trope. Like it's like yeah. a friggin' gif meme. Like you know, like it's, it's there's and basically he's just doing I'm Spartacus and stuff. Like it's, I get it. It's just he kind of. It's like a greatest hits of like sword and sandals films, right? Like yeah. harkening back to like old timey like nineteen thirties Hollywood or whatever. Hmm. Anyway, I enjoy here's, Prometheus. Here's a quick comparison for you, Keith. Mm-hmm. Um, James Cameron has his films have gotten forty one nominations for Academy Awards. Yeah, I consider he's like 21. easily an A plus director, dude. He's like one of the most bankable solid directors ever. And I don't like his work, but I can acknowledge it's like good. You would you don't like his work, you consider him A plus director. Like yeah. what? What the hell does that even mean? He knows how to direct. He can turn crap into like Avatar and like Titanic into watchable stuff. In the hands of other directors, that stuff would be garbage. Oh God. Think about how bad Titanic would be, literally anyone else directing. I think you should think about how bad Titanic is. Yeah, like, and now think about how bad it would be movie. anyone else directing it. No, other other people would not have made a three-hour special effects monstrosity. That would, would have been able to tell a story. Billion dollars. Just because it made money doesn't mean it's good. Come on, man. Anyway, I rank uh, Prometheus right under Bumblebee. Wait, wait, are we are we taking <laughs> right under Bumblebee at number one fourteen? <laughs> Let me see what's down there. One fourteen. You can't even argue with it. It's the perfect spot for Prometheus. <laughs> Above Bird Box, below Bumblebee. What's what's up from there? Karate Kid. Yeah, it's not getting past Karate Kid. Yeah, no, 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 yeah, that's good. That's good. You know? Yep. A little, a little above King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. Like, again, I said I enjoyed this movie. I did not say it's the greatest movie of all time. Yeah, that's exactly the spot. Yeah. Scott, thoughts? 
man, I'd probably rather watch Bird Box again. But I'm not no. going to die on this hill. Yeah. <laughs> but like, it wouldn't drop much below that, even if you had, if you want to push it's, it down. It's oddly comparable to Bird Box because you're like, it's fine, but let me think about this for a second. Oh wait, it's super stupid. Yeah. No, I will. I like. I don't think I remember a movie kind of like. And again, I saw like a two hour and 40 minute cut of it. So when I say like, when I'm like, oh, it kind of unraveled in the last 20 minutes, I still watch two hours and 20 minutes of like a thing that I was really enjoying. So I'm like, yeah. And look, look what I, look what I called Bumblebee, a good B plus. (laughs) That's where Prometheus fits for me. But yeah, no, I, yeah, I like that. I mean, I, and I think that it's kind of fun in general though, like the alien movies have always and maybe he leaned too hard in it with Prometheus, with like, like you said, John, this like DM bullshittery. Yeah. To just be like, what does this mean? Nobody knows. But I was like, you know, like how many movies are in the alien verse? And they have not even ever even once tried to explain like alien homeworld or like where they're from. So or... you should really see Covenant. <laughs> they, I mean, maybe they, they, do, they do go into that stuff. And I'm not sure. I'm not like. Maybe that's what the comic says. Maybe there's other stuff, but the, I'm pretty sure he creates the xenomorphs in Alien Covenant. So, yeah. like I said, so the 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 book, the 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 RPG, yes, book, which came out this year, like January 2020, and has all the movies in the timeline up to and including Covenant, has the alien movies in co- the aliens in Covenant are classified as neomorph. Because they have a different gestation uh, period, time, and like plan, even though they look really similar. Hmm. And then they have xenomorph like X two two one or whatever. Like they're like two Seven different things. species, even in the monster manual kind of this, thing. You're this, like, this sounds like a book that was written to say like, no, we didn't waste three hundred million dollars on those last two movies. It's important. We promise. <laughs> I mean. Like, like I'm, I'm criticizing this all. I still kind of enjoy them because I love I love the visuals of alien movies and I love that type of tension and I love the like retrofuturism look. Absolutely, and stuff. like yeah. it's all good stuff. And there's something there's fun to be had there. So if Ridley Scott made another four just like the, those two, I would go see them just because I want to see more stories like that. But I don't think it's tied together smartly at all. It doesn't feel like that. Yeah, and one, I mean, one two, and three is enough for me. I'm I'm good at that. I mean, so there's a director's cut of three that is actually quite good. Yeah, I was going to say, I stop at one and two. Different. Scott's giving it. Scott's giving it three. Yeah, three. But yeah, no, I, I really. Three's not great, it. but it's a good story. Yeah. Yeah. Three. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Three. There's also a really good. Uh, I just watched it today, actually. Um, David Fincher talking about the experience of making Alien Three. So. Little did you know, this was his first major motion picture, and he had done a whole bunch of like music videos and stuff like that. So his name had been around, and they gave him this. And he he was in the in the little video. He was saying like, I was too inexperienced to know how to say no, and so he kept getting dragged into stuff by the studio and making changes and whatever. And it was just like it was a total nightmare for him and everybody else involved. Mm-hmm. And the scripts kept getting rewritten and yeah, getting yeah. rewritten. Like the the script writer credit it's like six people seven people yeah he he started filming it without having a complete script yeah so he didn't even really know what and, and if i'm not mistaken it was even like it was an alien movie before it was an alien movie right like 
like the initial script that they picked up was just like creepy alien like uh terrorizes a penal colony like not not a xenomorph terrorizing right. penal colony like it was like the initial script and then people were like this is close enough to like launch an alien project kind of thing like i i've, I've read a bunch of this i have i've never watched that end that good cut i really want to we yeah. should probably probably do it um but yeah, but like apparently everything about development on Alien Three was just awful. Like, and and it wasn't even scripted. And if you think about it, it has nothing to do with anything. Like, it's just no. They crash land on another planet, and whoa, it was an alien. Ripley's in jail now, and there's a dog alien. Yeah, <laughs> like here it goes. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, Alien. I would put yeah, Alien and Aliens are. I Perfect. own like ten movies on Blu-ray, and those are two of them. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a perfect one-two punch right up there with uh, Terminator 1 and 2. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would agree. In terms of movies, just like one-two movies, I mean, like, uh, what do you call it? Road Warrior and Mad Max are good. But the thing is, but like, it doesn't peak until Fury Road. No. Like, that, that's like... Terminator, yeah, Terminator I, Two are like it's like they they, they also haven't aged perhaps as well as you're remembering them. I disagree. I watched, I watched like slow movies. Yeah, I watched like, the first Mad Max like a year ago, and it's the best. Like like Indiana Jones, the third one is also really good, so it doesn't it yeah. doesn't count as that one two punch. Yeah, yeah, it's I'd say Terminator and Alien. I think are the two ones that like really do it. I'm thinking if there's anything else. Um. So we're almost done, but we have a little bit of housekeeping left, guys. Yep. We need to, because um, Scott was loving his life a little too much mm-hmm. these, these days. <laughs> we need to assign him uh, a film. Oh no! Yeah. To watch. Uh, even in these times. Even, even in, in these, these times. Even in these dark times. Okay, so this movie we we like decided to pull some punches, Scott. Uh, this movie features an Academy Award winner. Ooh. Eh? Um, okay. No, it's not Hold Ridley on. Scott. <laughs> let's let's go somewhere where you're going to get right in the in the zone. Okay, it's based on a popular franchise from the '80s. I'm loving it. Okay, uh, one critic described it as little more than an obnoxious feature-length commercial. That deafening oh. rock score certainly doesn't help. And this sounds like Transformers the movie. I'm excited. With Orson Welles and a deafening rock score. It is one of my favorite movies of all time. You gave him the easy one. That Damn. one was like you would have known it immediately. That was, was supposed to be last. It was last on your list. I thought, well, because I was going to say featuring, also featuring an actor who got famous on the radio. Yeah. Also Orson Welles. Um, and uh, also features a popular character taking on a bold new look. I'm on. So Optimus Prime turning gray? Uh, Hot Rod being... Uh, also Prime. features a giant planet destroying robot. Like, are you guys actually giving Transformers the So movie? now, the trick is, is that all of these quotes are also true of uh, Transformers um, The Fallen Knight. Oh, no, not a... <laughs> <laughs> Because I, I watched a couple of these. No, but dude, there's Unicron in the new one. Unicron is in the new one. Uh, all of these are true. So an actor who got famous on the radio, if you'll recall, Mark Wahlberg used to be Marky Mark, so he got uh, famous. Uh, Transformers The Last Night uh, features Academy Award winner Anthony Hopkins. 
Um, a giant planet-destroying robot. The planet Earth in the in Transformers. This is spoilers. The last night, uh, the planet Earth is revealed to actually be Unicron because fuck you, geologists. You didn't realize our planet was a big robot. But no, Scott, we're actually giving you Transformers the movie. Because Transformers the last night I've also seen. <laughs> but no, we, we're, we're no, assigning it's, you. It's, we're it's giving a you assignment. You got to go see it. You have to go watch Transformers the movie and report back to us. Cool. I have it on DVD. 25th it's, anniversary it's edition. not on the list yet, and it should be. Yeah. Shit. All right. I can do that. We, we figured that the best thing that we could possibly do uh, in these dark times was assign you your favorite movie to like watch with a fresh set of eyes to like critically think about it. Yep, and, and report and, back and report back about one of your favorite films. Happy birthday! <laughs> it's exciting. I could watch this movie like ten times before the next time we record. Yeah, I've seen this movie over two hundred times. I know, dude. <laughs> like, when was the last time? Most recently, like, ooh, before Archer turned one. So, oh shit, six years ago. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's a I was still living on, on Cote Saint Luke Road. Nope. Oh. That's crazy. Yeah, there. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I had a l- weird audio glitch there. Uh, awesome. I will I will goddamn come up with a thesis about this. Excellent. <laughs> That's why I was like, oh man, making Scott watch an awful film right now just seems so cruel. <laughs> you guys know I have seven soundtracks to this movie <laughs> on my on my iTunes. I have like the full Vince DiCola soundtrack breakdown where he does a, a two minute chat about each song before he does it. You guys so, like, seriously, I have like 150 audio files regarding the soundtrack and score of Transformers the movie that I've listened to dozens of times. But yeah, so yeah, I was hoping the score would kind of screw you up because that's why I jumped to the end. Because like, so yeah, the last night features. Was that? Was that yeah. Hang on. Was was the quote you read the Leonard Maltin quote? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. So, so like, that's how much I know about this. Damn movie. it. <laughs> so yeah, because I was hope. So the last night features music by Metallica, Slipknot, Slayer, and Limp Bizkit. And <laughs> also features if, a deafening rock score. I don't know if we talked about the last night, but it is. It is really bad. Oh, it's I, I, it looks so bad, and I mean, and I mean, spoilers, I guess, to some future episode of Ninety S. We will make you watch uh, the last night in 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 well, some, of your, you already in saw some of your times. Can you can you yeah. give me like a like explain how bad it is? Why it's almost three hours long. Okay, uh, it's full of the um, CG robots that don't. You can't tell them apart. They don't have you know, character traits. Spinning blender transformations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the final fight scene is a... Uh, it also ties into the legend of Arthur, right? Really? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it, I was reading this and I was like, this movie looks so fucking dumb. The quest for the Holy Grail is tied in with the Allspark. It's yeah. good. It's complete. And then the planet is Unicorn. Like Unicron, <laughs> like imagine you're just sort of like the reveal is Earth is Unicron. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's rough to look at. Like it's it's Luke, George Lucas type level of CGI. I really thought you were about to say everything is CGI for film. 
It's just <laughs> it's, it's a rough watch for your it's, eyes. Holy shit! No, it's it's like a magic eye picture that the computer f- printed fucked up. So there's actually no magic eye picture. You're just kind of <laughs> squinting at it, going. You're just going cross-eyed watching it, like trying to put it together, and you're like, "Oh no, what am I?" You're like, "Am I the one who's not getting this?" Yeah. Oh yeah. And and Optimus Prime is there's like Nemesis Prime because he turns evil or whatever. Oh my god. Yeah, I, I spent ju- just reading about Transformers the last night uh, to try to find clues that would apply to both Transformers the last night and Transformers the movie. Was I was like, this looks mm. awful. I can't believe you watched Transformers the last night, Scott. I, sure I saw them. He's a true fan. I saw the first Transformers, part of the second one, and last night. Wow. I mean, yeah. isn't the last night like the the last night was so bad that hang on. I gotta just I gotta pull up the numbers here. It it broke the franchise. It set up Bumblebee to be like a relaunch. Yeah, that's it. It was so Transformers. Which you see it at, no. Well, I, well, so yeah, so it still it it made six hundred and four million dollars on a budget of two hundred and sixty million dollars. So, but apparently, like when you accounted for like development, merchandising, and marketing. The film reportedly lost over a hundred million dollars. This is like the last night. Woo. So, just like so, think about and and like so, they had a budget at two hundred sixty million dollar production budget, and then they made six hundred and four five million dollars, and they still lost a hundred million. So they put another like five hundred million dollars into the machine to try to make this movie go, and it still didn't like go to where it wanted to. Like they like sold the farm on it. Yeah, so it was developed uh, as it was going to be. It was developed as the first installment from a writer's room style brain that was establishing a roadmap for the next several years. Like it was Whoops. supposed to be like, the kickoff of a multi-picture deal. Like um, apparently, like it was going to be uh, bring the group of writers together and pitch ideas for a Transformers film with the intention of expanding the universe into a cinematic universe outside of the initial like film franchise with up to nest like 12 films possibly being planned after this one. Oh, it's a hot mess. And, wow. Uh, yeah. Before the release of last night, Michael Bay said it would be his last film in the franchise. <laughs> so before it even came out, he was like, yeah, guys, I'm done. Uh, yeah. Bay confirmed in April 20th, 2017 that out of the writer's room, at least 14 stories had been completed for the future Transformers films. Good and God. yeah, they were all canceled. Um, but then while promoting Bumblebee, uh, claimed that sequels to both the film last night were in development. He said one of the latest in the main family, uh, series following Transformers last night and other is a sequel to Bumblebee. Uh, but there's no sequel to last night, um, in development. So they might make a, what was the name of the company? I mean, Hasbro. Was it Hasbro? (laughs) Uh, yeah, it was Hasbro and the, one of the big boys who can like take that shot. Uh, Paramount? Paramount. Yeah, Hasbro and Paramount. So yeah, so <clears throat> yeah, that's it. It was there will be yeah there will be content there will be series and that future so films like there's no plans currently for like a cinematic universe of Transformers and they're like any films from the Transformer franchise that are like in plans are working off of Bumblebee, like not working off of last night. So I don't know like what they're going to 
how they're going to do that. Cause like, cause Bumblebee wasn't, wasn't a full reset, right? Like it was, it was a small story, but it was actually, that still functioned as a prequel to the, to the movies. Like the, like it still fits in the verse. Like they didn't, it wasn't a reboot, mm-hmm. but you guys think, liked it. Didn't you? I've, I didn't see it. Dude, you really like on, like I like Bumble. Like I, I just, we just talked about it on the list. Solid B plus like watch Bumblebee. Like if you, I mean, it's not going to be Transformers the movie, obviously, but like if you're sitting there and having a bunch of times, you have like a week off coming up or whatever, like Bumblebee, I can like legitimately recommend. Bumblebee hits all the right notes to try to like plan. Like at, it, at the very least, Bumblebee's aesthetic is more pleasing than it was in the Michael Bay movies. Bumblebee's aesthetic, like the, the aesthetic and the look is good. It's also like smaller. Like there's like three robots more or less <laughs> in the entire thing. There's like two Decepticons and Bumblebee are make up most of the movie, which like kind of like lets them breathe a little bit. It's just like having like thousands of robots all over the place and like makes the, also has like the relationship like Bumblebee and the girl kind of like expand. And it's more about that than just like robots are everywhere. Yeah. Bumblebee is like, not, I mean like I say extremely good, but like in comparison to the other ones, it's, it's a fine movie. And if it had been the first Transformers movie, I would have been like hyped for where the series was heading. Like that's, I think that's the the best praise I could give it is it would have made me excited for a Transformers film series if Bumblebee had been the first one, but it, instead it just like, was like, oh, that was okay. Too bad there's so many other shitty things in it. Mm. Mm. Man, don't, don't watch last night. I won't even, I won't even give it to either of you guys. It's, it's a bad movie. <laughs> Thank it you, hurts. Scott. Uh, closing thoughts, comments. Take care, everyone. Yeah, wash your hands. Stay, stay inside. Healthy. Wash your hands. Yeah, just just wash your hands. It's so easy. It's the best thing you can do. Yeah, dude. I was I was just like so. As we close off the thing, Sarah and I were talking. We're like, wow. She's like, we don't really like know anybody in our like initial circle of acquaintances and stuff who who got it. And I was like. Because people, I think all of our friends are smart and understand it. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know anybody who got it. Yeah, that, that, that's what I said. I was like, in our like close-knit circle of people. Yeah, I mean, outside the close-knit circle. Oh, dude, I know. Like, there's people at Sarah's work that have it. Oh, there's, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's like, there's a couple people at my work that have it. Like, mm-hmm. there's, I mean, I don't know how many. Like, like next time we're on a conference call, ask around. Like, mm-hmm. I guarantee you there's like, you're maybe one or two steps away from someone. But in terms of like that initial circle i was like no because i was like because we were doing the thing and we're washing mm-hmm. our hands and we're not touching our faces i mean all of that stuff will will help i don't think if someone in our circle gets it it'll be because oh it doesn't become like a black mark on you i'm like that's not what i'm saying but i was like i think that it would like by taking the warning seriously and doing the thing i'm not saying we're like immune to it but like we're putting ourselves into the like other part of the curve, you know, like where eventually we'll get it, but just not when it's like rampaging, you know, like I'm like everybody, oh, but they say 60, 70% of the population will probably get it before there's, before mm-hmm. all is said and done or whatever. I, just, and it, I don't trust the general public and I still have to interact with them. So yeah, exactly. Like, oh no. I mean like I, I Scott, know. Scott, if you caught it, I wouldn't be like, Scott doesn't wash his hands. <laughs> like, I, I had to get off the bus. I have to get off the bus ten stops early today because there was someone on the bus just coughing, this dry hack, and I was like, "Man, that's not even messy. trying. You're not even trying." And I, 
you're like 20 feet away from me, but I'm, I'm just getting off here. I'm going to walk home. Yeah, dude. I, it's, that's horrible. And that's, what I, like, that's, I mean, whatever. We've talked about it in past episodes. We'll, we'll leave that. Wash, wash your hands, stay inside. Like, honestly, do the freaking thing. Like, it, it'll just be longer if you don't. I mean, we've, this is episode 207. Yep. Man, you got, like, days you can spend with us. Seriously. Go through the whole back catalog. <laughs> Not going anywhere for a while. <laughs> we have, like, we, we usually do over an hour, so I feel fairly confident that we're close to 300 hours of us talking. Right now. Thanks for sticking around to the very end of this show. That means you're our number one fan. As our number one fan, maybe you're wondering a way that you can show your support for this. We've set up a few ways, and the boys are going to tell you about it now. If you like this show, you might know other people that like this show, or maybe they'll like some of the other stuff that we're doing on the website. If that's the case, you can tell them all about it using all of the social networks, like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We're on all of those. Or you could just you know, send people links directly to the website. Or if you live in a world without the internet and you only listen to podcasts, you can tell people about it with your human mouth. There's other ways we could support us, John. If your interest in supporting us extends to the financial section, you might consider patreon.com slash 9to5cc. If you go there, you can get perks like early content, you can get your questions answered on the air, and you can get extra art. We've been doing this show for a long time, so we kind of know what we're doing. Not really. 905.cc. <laughs> Podcasts, blogs, and comics. Made in Montreal since 2011.